just want to say thank you guys for coming and being here today. And uh, how many of y'all ready for the word? Yeah, great. Great, great, great. Awesome. We got the wise men up here. We got the nativity. And uh, we're going to get going here. When you came in, you should have received what we call a worship guide. Inside that worship guide, uh, there's some message notes in there. If you'd like to follow along with my message, that's available to you. Uh, for many of you, if you have a smartphone or a tablet, you can also uh, download the YouVersion Bible app, YouVersion Bible app. Uh, and on there, you can search events and click on High Point Church, and the notes are also in there electronically. You can follow along either way uh, as we go into the message today. Uh, well, let's pray, and uh, we're going to jump right in. God, we we thank you right now, Father, for this opportunity, uh, God, to be able to worship you today. God, we also thank you that we have this chance, God, to look into your word, God. God, I thank you that your word is like a mirror to us, God, that we can look at our, ourself and see ourselves in the word, God, and we can, we can see, Father God, the things maybe that we need to change. God, we can also see, God, maybe the things that we're doing right. And God, I just thank you right now, Father, that most importantly, we'll be able to see you, though. And God, as we see you, God, that we'll be able to feel your presence and know that you're here with us. And God, I thank you that your word changes us, God, that our hearts are open to the change of the word, that the impact that it has on us, God. We thank you for that. And God, we just really believe right now, God, for, for this Christmas season, God, that people's families, God, uh, would really feel your love, would feel your, uh, just your presence, God, your protection. And God, I thank you, Father, that during this Christmas season, God, that each and every person here, that we would remember what it's all about, God, that it's really about you. And God, we thank you that we get to bless our family and friends and be with each other, God, but we also thank you that we uh, get to partake, God, of the best and greatest covenant that has ever been offered to mankind, and that is your son, Jesus, God. And we are so grateful and so thankful for that. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen, amen and amen. Well, uh, as we are in a two-week kind of a mini-series, we like to preach in series here, so normally I'll take a topic and I'll preach on it for four weeks. Uh, this particular series is kind of a shortened series with the holiday season, uh, and so we're doing two weeks. This is our second week on, on a topic entitled Star of Wonder, and I, we just heard that great song talking about the star of wonder and kind of the purpose of, what the, of, of who Jesus is, the purpose of Jesus' life, and I love that last sentence in that song where it says, his purpose basically, was to bring dead things to life. And, uh, you know, this true resurrection power that we celebrate at Easter, but Easter never would take place without Christmas. And so it's important that we understand that there's power that is available to us as believers. There, there's, there's a power uh, that comes from this, this star of wonder. And kind of the premise of these two messages is this, is that it uh, comes out of Matthew chapter 2, and I'll read the story to you here in just a couple of minutes, but kind of comes out of this idea from the standpoint of the wise men. I've got a nativity here, and uh, we were in Israel several years ago, and I picked this up in Bethlehem. Uh, and so these wise men here, from their perspective, what actually happened whenever they were searching after Jesus and whenever they found him, what, what did that produce in their life? Like what, what, what was pulled out of them in their life because of the encounter they had with Jesus? And I think that they were on a journey for sure. It says they traveled from another country, other countries probably, uh, that they were probably royalty themselves uh, and that they were going after some Old Testament writings that they had read about a star, and so this idea of a star of wonder, they saw the star and they wondered if they could follow the star and find not just the star of wonder, but the star of the show, which is Jesus Christ. And so in that journey, 
uh, if we can see what happened to them and some of the things that they learned and some of the things that that journey produced in their life, then maybe possibly in our own lives that we're all walking a journey. We're all, we're all living a journey. We're on our way somewhere. In your natural life, you're on your way somewhere. And we, usually we work very hard at that. God's happy about that. It's a great thing. But also in your spiritual life. You should be going somewhere in your spiritual life. You shouldn't just be like, okay, I'm going to go to church on Sunday and check that box. How about this idea that God created you specifically the way that you are? Some of you think, man, God, God made me a little bit different. He made me a little bit weird. Well, maybe he did. But how many of you know we can't all be the same? Uh, and if God made you that way, he made you that way for a reason. And if he made you that way for a reason, then this the idea of maybe we should find out from him what we should be doing with our life. And so that's kind of the idea of the journey of our spiritual walk. And so just kind of want to kind of dig into that a little bit. Let me talk to you just for a second about the star. So uh, we have decorations up here on the top of this nativity. There's a star up on top of this tree back here. There's a star. And if this room were completely dark and the only thing that was on in this room was that star up there, because it was light in a dark place, you would be attracted to it. You'd be able to see the light in the darkness. And the crazy thing about it is that, that any time that light is present, it's attractional. Lots of times people don't even know what they're attracted to, but anytime light is present, it's attractional. And so it's, it's a powerful thought if Jesus is the light of the world that he's actually attractional, that he could actually uh, produce something in your life because you can draw close to him. The Bible says this, you draw close to me and I'll draw close to you. And so there's this, there's this pulling, if you will. But the wise men on their journey, they were just attracted by light. Can you imagine Leaving your home country. How many of you guys ever been on a trip before? Come on. How many of you guys ever been lost? Come on. I know. The rest of y'all are lying. <laughs> I know y'all been lost before. Uh, and so we go on this journey. So just imagine you're going to go on the greatest trip, the greatest journey that you've ever been on, and you don't know where you're going. All you're going to do is you read something that you could follow a star and all of a sudden, a star shows up. Now, I don't know what makes it different than the other stars. I, I don't know if it had a tail on it like this one here does. I don't know if it was just brighter. I don't know if it was moving. I don't know if it was zigzagging. I don't know if it spelled out, follow me. I don't know what happened. But something was attractional about this star. Maybe it was the brightest star, so we were attracted to the light. And they begin to take this journey and say, we're going to go follow that star and we're going to find this baby that is supposed to be the, the king of kings, the, the savior, the Messiah of the world. And so we're just going to go do that. How many of y'all know that just takes a whole lot of crazy, amazing faith just to be able to do that? And so these guys, number one, I like them because they're a little bit crazy. Come on, you know y'all are all crazy. Come on. Everybody got a little, how many of y'all got a crazy uncle about to show up at your house in a couple days? Come on. How many of y'all got a crazy aunt? That's even that's crazy, right? How many of y'all the crazy one? You go into somebody's house, they're like, that crazy guy's coming over, right? Listen, we all got a little crazy in us, but I love that because it's okay to have a little bit of crazy faith too. You know what I'm saying? Like, like just be crazy with your faith in this season and, and allow God to do something maybe amazing through your life. Allow him to show you something. This is what I love about light is that when light is present, you can see things that you wouldn't normally be able to see. I've been to the eye doctor recently, a couple of my kids, y'all know I got 
bunch of kids. I got five kids. A couple of them wear glasses. And so uh, uh, me and the eye doctor, we're like close now. Yeah, I, I show up and uh, with somebody, and he tells me how much money I owe him. I give him a bunch of money, and he smiles at me and talks to me for a few minutes. It's kind of a cool relationship, right? Uh, and, and just kidding. You know, he really does a great job. Uh, but he began to explain something to me one time because uh, I was checking my eyes as well. And I still, at this, at this point in my life, I don't have to wear glasses yet. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. All right. I'm 47. I'm holding on until 50, I hope. So uh, uh, maybe I don't have to uh, uh, jump into that class just yet. But a couple of my kids, I don't know how it works, but uh, a couple of them need glasses already. So I'm in there and get my eyes checked. And we're talking, having a good time. And he's like, listen, most people don't have a, a problem focusing. Usually their first sign of, of an eye problem is the fact that there's not enough light present for them to see what they need to see. Or another way of saying that, that, that the, the, the room or the atmosphere is too dim. He said lots of times you'll go like to a restaurant that's a dimly lit restaurant and you won't be able to read the menu because you got to get your flashlight. I've seen some of y'all with y'all's flashlight out. Y'all like, what's going on there? And so you're trying to see. So it's not so much that you can't read the words out of clarity or focus. It's that you have to have light to be able to see it. Come on. Anytime the Word of God talks about eyesight, especially in the Old Testament, it always talks about this, their eyes grew dim. Or another word of saying it like Moses says, his eyes never grew dim. So it's not so much a focus thing as it is a light thing. And so if Jesus is the light of the world, then it kind of, re, it kind of allows us to reason, if you will, that if we get closer to the light of the world, we'll be able to see more things than we can see right now. Another way of thinking about that is that God wants to show you something in your life that you've never seen before. God wants to show you things in your marriage. He wants to show you some things with your kids. He wants to show you some things with your business. He wants to show you some things at work. He wants to reveal some things to you. I'm talking about the creator of the heavens and the earth, the person that created you and made you the way that you are. The Bible actually says this in Ephesians. It says that he created your purpose and then he made you. Another way of saying that is that he had something for you to do and then he made you. So your purpose and your destiny is crying out to you. And sometimes we get it really focused on our own life, and that's great and that's good, but God is saying, hey, every once in a while, how about you come and allow me to to show you some things? If you want to be successful, if you want to be great at what you're doing, let me begin to show you some things. Because when I show you something, it'll be something the world can't show you. I'll begin to give you ideas. I'll begin to give you areas. I'll begin to give you things that you never dreamed you could have. And so the light being present allows us to see things that we could never see before. And that's a very, very cool thought. There was four words that were spoken by God thousands of years ago. These are the four words. Let there be light. When he spoke those words into existence, light was what the Bible says. Light was. What does that mean? That means when God says something, he's not a man that he can lie. When he says something, it becomes reality in that very moment. So when he said, let there be light, light begin to be, and it's never ceased since that day. So light is continuing to be from what he said, what, what his words were thousands and thousands of years ago. Now, we like to think about that in our own solar system. And we have these planets that we have in our own solar system, and we're the earth, and we're the third one from the third rock from the sun, whatever you want to call it. And then you have the sun, which is our star. How many of you know there are millions, maybe billions of stars out there? Other galaxies, man, they got the big Hubble telescope, all those things. They can see out into the galaxy. They see stuff that you never dreamed was out there. 
Here's the crazy thing. When God said, let there be light, every single star in the universe, every single star that's out there in other universes, other galaxies, in that very moment, they all begin to illuminate. That's the power that God has just in his spoken word. And so as he said, let there be light, it was a powerful thing of natural light. But let me show you something. Anytime God says something in the natural, this will work in your life too. Anytime something is present in the natural, it can also show up in the spiritual. So when he said, let there be light, we have natural light. We go outside, the sun is still shining. I promise you, when you wake up tomorrow, the sun's going to be there. The next day, the sun's going to be there. It may be a cloudy day. You may not be able to see the sun, but trust me, the sun is still there. It's the same way in our spiritual lives. So God said, you know what? I don't just want to have let there be light. I want there to be the light of the world. It's so crazy that he came in this very small package, a baby. And the fact that the light of the world that would change everything for us showed up in this lowly package that everyone and lots of people around them missed because they were looking for a different package. They were looking for something different, a different presentation. They thought he was going to be something else. And when he showed up like this, they're like, discounted him. That couldn't possibly be the real savior of the world. And so as you begin to look at that, let me tell you what Jesus says about his own life, though. In John chapter 8, it says this. It says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said this, I am what? Come on, I am the light of the world, and whoever does what? Follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So this is what I love when Jesus says this. First of all, he declares who he is and what he is. So the wise men were searching, you know, whenever he was born, they were following after the star. They didn't realize they were going to find the star. It's when their wonder, their curiosity, their amazement began to turn into something more powerful. It began to turn into worship. And so this star is what they ended up finding. Now the star is is grown up. And he says this, I am the light of the world. You're looking for light in this place, and you're looking for light in that place, and you're never going to find it there because I am the light of the world. Then I love this, that he gives this kind of a next step for you. So like if, if you believe that I'm the light of the world, your next step is, why don't you come and follow me? Why don't you come and follow after who I am? It says, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Have you guys ever got up in the middle of the night and tried to walk somewhere in the dark? Come on. How many of you tripped over something? You stumbled over something? Why? Because it's dark. Whoever follows him, though, you don't ever have to walk in darkness. I'm not talking about natural darkness. I'm talking about darkness in your life. You don't ever have to walk in darkness and not know what's coming next. He will reveal things to you. He'll show you things. He'll, 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 he'll impart things into your life. And this is a great thing. It's like his great pleasure to do it. He's like, listen, I wish that you would just begin to connect with me. It's a great, great thing. Now, I had something planned for you guys, and you know, I wasn't really sure if I was going to do this. And uh, uh, last year, I, I, I shared a little story. I'm going to share it again this year. When um, I grew up back in the 80s, and, and uh, there was, a, there was a, a group that came out when I was a freshman in high school called the Beastie Boys. How many of you guys ever heard of the Beastie Boys? Come on, what's up? <clears throat> yeah, if you're a young person, don't listen to the Beastie Boys, all right? Not necessarily the best uh, plan for your future, uh, uh, what's going to happen in your life. However, we liked them. Why? Because I liked them because they were, I could relate to them because they were white. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, these white boys are rapping. You know what I'm saying? This is awesome. And uh, how many know, you know, I probably, you know, white boys shouldn't be rapping. How many of y'all know that? Come on. Let's just be honest. 
And so uh, I go to church. I'm raised in this church. And uh, let me just throw this out there, too. I, I was raised in a white church. Come on, somebody. I'm just being honest. I'm just being honest. And, uh, and so we had a youth group. And in the youth group, I was a part of the youth ministry. And, uh, you know, we had this drama department in the youth ministry. So I was always doing crazy stuff like Wayne's World and, you know, whatever else we could come up with. We were just doing some bizarre, crazy stuff in these, in these drama departments. And so it was Christmas time, and the whole church is doing a Christmas production. How many of you guys have ever seen a Christmas program before? Yeah, at church? Okay, two of you. Great, I'm glad I'm talking to the right people. Uh, how many of you guys have ever seen a Christmas production, though? Like, there's a difference between a program and a production. Production is like a big deal, you understand what I'm saying? So this was a Christmas, not program, but a Christmas production, right? And so it, we thought it would be kind of cool since, you know, the Beastie Boys were kind of hot. We're like, man, let's take that song, We Three Kings, and, and let's do a little rap to it. How many of y'all know this is a bad idea already from the get-go? So we're like, all right, we got to go to the costume place. They got to get us all fixed up. So we got, we're dressed up like the wise men. We're on the journey of life. Our journey is on the platform in the church in front of, a, uh, you know, a thousand people, and we're about to rap. Come on. I mean, this is a bad idea already, right? And so I told you guys that I, for whatever reason, how many of y'all have just memorized something that just sticks in your life like for 30 years <laughs> and just stays in your head? So I was thinking about this message, and I began to think about, like, I still remember my rap. I'm not, I'm not going to do it for you. Let me just tell you what it says, because it's pretty creative, all right? We had to write our own raps. We kind of got together with another guy. We kind of wrote our own raps, and it was kind of fun. So I had verse number one. And just so you know, we're like, we're dressed up like the wise men, complete with Burger King crowns. I mean, it's, it's in a, it's, it's church-level production of another level. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just, it's a little crazy. This was my verse. God decided to save his people's nation. They had been waiting for 14 generations. He would send a savior through a virgin, and her son would be a wood surgeon. That was it. Which is pretty good. And so I thought, man, I, I could just share that with you guys. But I thought to myself, man, I couldn't really do that because I don't really have a beat. And then... Uh, uh, in the first service, I realized that they kind of had a beat for me. So why don't you hit that beat back there real quick. Oh, some of y'all recognize this. <laughs> God decided to save his people's nation. They had been waiting for 14 generations. He would send a savior through a virgin. And her son would be a wood surgeon. Trust me when I say, it did not go over that well when I was 15. <laughs> Trust me. Anyway, uh, how many of you know there's a lot of truth in that, though, right? I, I love the fact that we're able to have some fun in church and to be able to laugh a little bit together. But I want you to know this. What I'm talking about is a very, very real and very serious subject, and it is that Jesus, he's the light of the world. And I love that. Just the words of that song, you know, uh, God decided to save his people's nation. He's like, listen, they're a nation, they're in trouble, they need some help. And I think to myself, is that not a parallel of where we are today? We're a nation in trouble and we need some help, you know what I'm saying? There's craziness going on all around us. And so it's important that we know that Jesus is the answer. 
He is, he is the one that we're supposed to be focusing on. He's the one that illuminates things. When light is present, illumination happens. Illumination allows you to see things you can't see. And so it's a very, very powerful, powerful thing. Let me kind of jump into this story now, and let me read this story for you. Matthew chapter 2, verses, we'll pick up in verse number 1. We're going to read the whole thing, so just kind of stay with me. It says this, and Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod. Now, from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? And then it says this, we saw his what? His star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. Let me just stop, stop here just for a second and kind of set this up, if you will, as we go through this story. And we begin to look at their journey and find out more about our journey. First of all, he says this, that he was born in Bethlehem. And so many people think we set up our nativities at home and we got the wise men here whenever uh, Jesus was a baby. But if you know the real story and the historical line of it, these three men didn't show up till he was about two years old. And so this is a great picture, but it's not exactly how it happened. And so they showed up about when he was two years old. So they went to Jerusalem following after this star on this journey of their life. And uh, when they get there, they go to the king, and they're like, hey, have you seen the baby? Have you seen this guy? The baby is supposed to be, the, you know, king of the Jews, king of kings. And, of course, Herod was a little bit insecure. And in his insecurity, he's like, listen, if I'm the king and this guy is supposed to be the king, I got a problem with that because he's about to take my job. And so in Herod's heart, he was disturbed by it. But what I didn't understand, I just saw it in this, in this passage whenever we read it, it says that King Herod was disturbed and all the people of Israel. So it wasn't just that one guy was disturbed, everybody was disturbed. And then if you read any further along, not in this particular passage, but other places in the Bible, the Bible actually says this, that, that God sent Jesus to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. So he sent him to the Jewish people first, which is what he's saying here to be the king of the Jews, then to the Gentile. So if you're not Jewish, you are a Gentile. And I love the fact that we're adopted into the family. We get this opportunity to be adopted in, like grafted into the family. And so we are part of the family, but Jesus wasn't sent for us first. He was sent for the Jewish people first. And so now the king of the Jewish people He's disturbed by the fact that he's there. And then it says, and all the other people were disturbed also. And when I begin to think about that, I'm like, listen, here he is trying to make their situation better, and they can't see the light. Here he is trying to reveal the king of kings, the, 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 the savior, the Messiah of the world is about to be given to your people group first, and you're disturbed at the news that he's showing up? And I thought to myself, how many other people on our journey of life that we discounted? Oh, it's just Jesus. I know about him. I learned about him when I was in school. I got confirmed and I baptized and I'm good. I'm an adult now. I can just go through life, just check my boxes. I'm good. I'm, I'm doing all the things that I know I need to be doing. And in reality, Jesus is saying, no, listen, there's so, much, there's so much more in you that you don't even know yet. I want to use you in great ways that you never dreamed of. If you're this successful by yourself, just imagine what you could do with me. And they're disturbed about it, scared of it, not sure about it. And even though I don't understand that, 
I'm not upset at it. Why? Because I get the fact that we all have fears and insecurities in our life that hinder us from being all that God wants us to be. So there's times where he's saying, listen, I, I, I want to show myself to you. And the closer that you get to the light, the more you'll begin to understand. And so let's kind of go a little further on into this, into this story. As it goes further, it says, when he had called together all the people's chief priests, this is Herod now, the king of, of Israel, he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, and he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. So he's intrigued because three people, wise men, magi, traveled from other countries and showed up asking for this guy. So now he's intrigued and he's like, listen, where does it say he's supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. And it says this, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. The interesting part is that when the people that were disturbed began to go back and look at what the, what the story said, they went back to a place where it said he was going to be a shepherd and he's going to be over the people Israel. And that is a true statement. There are other prophecies, though, that say this. Not just he was going to be a good leader. They actually said this, that he's going to be born of a virgin and his name will be Emmanuel, which means God with us. So sometimes they had a misinterpretation of who he was. Their idea of who he was was a good leader. And another interpretation of who he was is he's going to be God with us. So do you understand that as a great leader, he's great. But when you begin to get the revelation that he's not just a great leader, he is God. When you get that revelation, then the power that goes behind that and the illumination of the light and the power of that light begins to change everything in your life. It's a very powerful, powerful thought. Then it goes on to say this. Then Herod called the Magi, the three wise men, secretly and found out uh, from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. And as soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Now his idea of worship was sacrifice, not true worship. After they had heard the king, they went on, what does it say? Their way. Everybody say their way. And the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, remember, star of wonder. When they saw that star, they were overjoyed. Not happy, joy. There's some of y'all trying to be happy and God's saying, you need my joy, not just happiness. And I love the fact that when you get in, in the presence of the Savior, like really in his presence, it's not just joy, it's overjoyed. So there, there's a powerful thing that begins to happen in the presence, which means if your journey leads you to the presence, things will begin to be produced in your life. They were produced in these three guys' lives, and they can be produced in your life as well. And it says this, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Everybody say another route. So let me just kind of talk to you for a second about this journey. And I want to just give you real quick in closing, I want to pray for you, four points, four things that the star, or let me say this, the star of the world, the light of the world, four things that being in his presence produced in these three men. And I believe if it was produced in these three men, 
that God's the same yesterday, today, and forever, it can be produced in your life right here in Friendswood, Texas, in an in a, in a, in a elementary school gymnasium three days before Christmas. I believe this can happen for you. So here's the things that happen. Number one, of the things that were produced in the wise men, number one is humility. Everybody say humility. Humility is a difficult thing, especially whenever we live in a world that's kind of a dog-eat-dog kind of a world, that you kind of have to, you kind of have to assert yourself. And, and when you do that, though, there's many times that pride can rise up. And the more that we see ourselves as being the reason for our successes, the more that we'll be able to understand that there's pride wrapped up and involved in that. Let me just say this. Lots of times people think that they're humble. Let me say this. There's a lot of pride wrapped up in the look of, humi- of humility. But it's not true humility. And I'm just saying it says here that they bowed down. Have you guys ever watched like a kingdom type show like Game of Thrones or something like that? You've watched a show and it's like a kingdom type setup. If you'll notice, anytime that somebody comes in any type of one of those settings, it says, when someone comes before a king, it says, bend the knee, which means you're going to bend the knee in front of this king. When you bow down and you bend the knee, what you're saying is, I am under subjection to you. I, I, am, I am yielding to your leadership. And so whenever the wise men on their journey of life came into the presence of Jesus, they, they bowed down, they bent the knee and saying, you are truly the king of kings. This is what we've been looking for. You're the person that we've been looking for. You're going to change the entire world. And so we are under subjection. We are here to worship you. So it says that they bowed down, if you will. And whenever they bowed down, it showed humility. Let me just tell you a couple of things that pride will create problems in your life. Listen, let me just talk to some of you for a second. Anytime that you have any type of an ability that you begin to tap into in your life that you know you have an ability to do something, I'm telling you right now, pride can creep in. So whatever it is that you think that you are, have success in, pride can creep in in that area. I'm a living testament of this, of opportunities in my life where I've chosen that road to be prideful instead of to use humility. What I've learned as I've gone through life and been in ministry for so long is that pride only created problems for me and humility solved problems for me. There's times in my life where I had the opportunity to take the high road or the low road. And sometimes I want to take the low road. Am I the only one? Everybody else is super spiritual on this Christmas week. <laughs> sometimes I want to take the low road. Now I'm just going to stand up here and tell you this. Sometimes I take the low road. Oh, you're the pastor. Pastor's real. I'm telling you that right now. Sometimes I've taken the low road. It's not good. This is what I've learned, though, is that every time I take the high road, God produces humility in my life. And humility begins to change me from the inside out. When you begin to understand the picture of humility, it'll begin to be a powerful tool to you. That humility can change situations. Humility will solve problems. Whatever your problem is right now, if you think, man, I got something big in front of me right now, I'm not even sure how to handle it. I'm going to tell you right now. You can handle it with pride, you can handle it with humility, but humility will solve the problem. Pride will cause more problems. Trying to help you here today. God loves humility. We need to make humility our goal. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. Not thinking less of yourself, just thinking of yourself less. Have you ever thought to yourself, how about putting somebody else first in this situation? It's whenever you just lose your own agenda and you begin to do that, 
I'm telling you, the crazy thing that will happen is what you really are fighting for will actually begin to take place because of your attitude and your humility. It says they came into the presence of the light, the star, the star of wonder, and they bowed down in humility. These were royal people, wealthy people that came in the presence of Jesus, and it says that they bowed down. Second thing it says that they did, and I love this. Number two, if you're taking notes, you can fill it in your blanks, is worship. They begin to worship him. I love the fact that their curiosity about this star, that this wonder turned into worship. The purpose of their journey is worship. Let me tell you this, the purpose of your journey needs to be worship. Have you ever thought about coming to church, not just to come to church, but to actually come to church and say, man, today, it's not about anybody around me, today it's about you. And I'm coming in this place because I'm here to worship you. And maybe you begin to go into relationship with Jesus and every morning you wake up and you have a little bit of time, maybe 10, 15 minutes where you just begin to spend a little bit of time meditating and saying, you know what, Jesus, I love you. God, I want to spend some time in your presence today. Show me who you are. I want to draw close to the light so that I can see some things that I've never seen before. So I'll know about directions. I'll know the next step to take. I'll know what to do. I'll know more about humility and, 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 and know how I'm supposed to get rid of this pride in my life. Begin to know about some things in your life. And so they begin to worship him, and I love that. I'd like to say this, this also, worship him before he does anything for you. How many of you guys ever prayed this prayer? All right, God, if you get me out of this, I'll serve you forever. <laughs> Come on. Everybody's prayed that prayer like, Lord, just get me out of this situation, and, and, I'll, and everything's going to be all right. I'm going to serve you forever. Let's don't make deals with God. Let's just worship him and serve him because of who he is, not what he can do for us. And the crazy thing is when we go into it with the right attitude, there's a ton of stuff that he can do for you, that he wants to do for you. He wants to, to, to take care of your situations. He wants to help you through those things. But you got to understand, don't do it to get it. Do it because you want relationship. Another way I like to say this, I grew up in a church that was about rules. Don't do that. Don't do that. You're going to hell. You're going to hell. Saw your radio station. I saw what you were looking at. Hell, hell, hell. I'm like, dang, I can't even stay saved for a week. How many of y'all have been there before? I'm like, man, I got I to gotta get back, you know. And then I realized that it wasn't about rules. It was about relationship. In the Garden of Eden, there's two different trees. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree of the knowledge of what is right and wrong. If you eat of this tree of what's right and wrong all the time, that's right, that's wrong, that's right, that's wrong, you will surely die. If you eat of the tree of the knowledge of, of, of life, if you eat of this tree, you will live and live forever. So one is about rules one is about relationship. Don't just know about him and adapt the rules of the Bible. Get into relationship with him. Draw close to the light and let him illuminate how good the relationship can be. Then you, ain't, you don't have to stop doing everything. You're just going to have, a, your desires are going to change. When your desires change, you become a different person. The old you goes away and the new you shows up. Isn't that powerful? So Worship. The third thing is this, is generosity. Everybody say generosity. It says this, that they opened their treasures. In this day and time, <clears throat> when these guys were searching for Jesus, it would have been customary that you never come before the king without a gift. Never come before the king without a gift. So we see the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh, and those were gifts that they brought on this long journey. How many of you guys know that they couldn't follow the star when the, when the sun was up? I mean, maybe they could. Maybe it was bright enough where they could, but 
Probably they had to take some breaks. That's probably why it took them two years to get there, you know what I'm saying? So they're, they're carrying this treasure with them the whole time. Could have left it, could have sold it, could have, man, I'm not going to give that. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you think about giving after about two years, you'd be like, man, man I'm good. <laughs> I mean, you know, you, you talk yourself out of giving sometimes. Some of y'all know that, right? So, but they, they, they opened up their, tra- they were generous. So it's not just about giving, it's about generosity. Generosity changes you. It doesn't change a person you're given to. It changes you. Generosity, it's a powerful thing. I love this, that they honored him as king. They surrendered their resources to the Son of God. You know, a great opportunity to be able to do that through our legacy giving, the end of the year giving, and things like that. Number four is change. Everybody say change. Change was produced in these men's life because of their journey and because of the fact they came in the presence of the star of wonder, the star of the world, the light of the world, Jesus Christ. This is what it says. They went home another way. They went home another way. They came today into his presence. So they came from this direction. They didn't go back that direction. They went home a different direction. When you encounter who Jesus really is, it'll change your direction. It'll change who you are. It'll change the direction you're going. It'll change the things that you do, the the way that you think about stuff. But it only comes from relationship. This This is the greatest thing about the whole thing is that it doesn't have to happen. You don't have to be in relationship with God. You get to if you choose to. That's it. And here at High Point Church, man, we're all about giving you that opportunity to be able to do that. Not in a forceful way, not in you better do this. Never be that way. It's just about relationship. I'm trying to offer you a relationship that's changed my life. I mean, what causes a man at 45 years old to start a church in, in the middle of an elementary school? I mean, change in my life. That's it. Change. Change, change, change. The closer that I draw to him, the more that I see. The more that I see, the more excited I get about the possibilities of what we can do as a church. More importantly, what God can do in your life individually. I was a youth pastor for 15 years, same church, hundreds of teenagers in the youth ministry. You hear me say this all the time, but it's so important to me. In the beginning, I used to be, when I started, I became a youth pastor, I was 21. I mean, I knew everything at 21. Come on. <laughs> Somebody's like, here's the key to a youth ministry with a couple hundred kids in it, like, don't kill anybody. I'm like, okay, let's go. I mean, I didn't know anything about leading young people. From the beginning, I'm like, y'all better do what I say. Man, get over there, straighten up. I mean, you know, I had some people balk at me. <laughs> then I had a kid tell me this one time. I was getting on to him. He was at camp. He'd done something stupid. I'm jumping on him. And I'm trying to correct him, like by jumping on him. And he's not responding. Not the way I want him to. And he said this to me. He goes, you don't even care about me. And in that moment, something changed for me. The light came on. Isn't that a great saying? They saw the light. The light came on inside my head that if I built a relationship with that kid, he would follow me anywhere. 
This is all about relationship. Relationship. That's what it's all about. The whole thing is about relationship. When he thought it was about rules, he didn't want to follow me anywhere. If you think that serving God is about rules, you'll get worn out and it'll it'll be over for you. Come and serve him out of relationship. Fall in love with who the creator of the world actually is. And then then get connected with your purpose involved in that. He's got great things for every one of us to do. I want to pray for you. If you don't mind, just bow your head and close your eyes. If you're here today, just real quick, I'm going I'm to pray from up here. You're going to stay in your seat. I want to pray for you, though. I do want you to respond to this prayer. So if you're here today and you say, hey, Pastor Scott, man, I, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. You were talking about a relationship, and I've always viewed it as kind of just rules. If that's you and you say, man, I, I want to have that relationship, I want to know who he is, Let me be the one to introduce you to him. I'll do it through a simple prayer. You'll stay in your your seat. I'll stay right here. I'll lead you in a prayer, and God will do something in your heart. So if that's you, and you want to respond to that, and you want to start a relationship with Jesus, just be so kind. Just raise your hand up right where you are, and then you can pull it back down. All right, thank you so much. Now, if you're here today, and you would say this, say, hey, Pastor Scott, Man, it's Christmas and Christmas season, and I'll be honest with you. I need to produce some of those things that were produced in the wise men's lives. I, I really need to get a hold of this humility thing. I need to get a hold of this worship thing, this generosity thing. I really want that change in my life so I can kind of change and go a different direction. If that's you, just right where you are, just lift your hand up. Let me pray for you real quick. We're going to pray all together. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Hands are going up all over. Thank you for being honest, guys. You can pull your hands back down. Let's all pray this prayer together. Say, Father, everybody together, say, Father, thank you for loving me. I receive Jesus into my life. I say he's my Lord and he's my Savior. God, thank you for loving me and caring about me. Help me, God, with humility with worship, with generosity. God, I want a change in my life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on, everybody said, amen. Come on, put your hands together. Several people made decisions today.